God, for all that you've done for us. We worship you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Put your hands together for Charles King, our worship leader, and all the team, all the tech. Make it happen. Well, here we are today to uh, begin another message in the series. The first message, I talked about spiritual warfare. I, I received a ton of text and emails and comments as a result of that message. And then last week, Pastor Jeff spoke about the Holy Spirit and that you have to be drawn to know the Lord Jesus Christ while I was with my mother last uh, Sunday and waiting for her to slip through the gate. You just never know, and, and she did, by the grace of God. And, and then uh, next Sunday is Father's Day. We're going to be talking about fathers and what it means to, well, you can count on them. Uh, but also we're going to talk about after that, angels. Are angels real? But today is another uh, thought-provoking message that, that I'm going to share with you, and uh, it, it, is, um, it is a bit controversial because uh, people think uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about spiritual issues as it relates to devils and demons. I believe the devil is real. How about you? I believe it. I also believe that this book, I believe it literally in other words, I believe that everything that it says in the Bible is true. And I also believe that it is true not for back then, but I only, I think it's true for today. You see, I think everything that happened back then can happen even now. But here's what we know. The Bible says that even greater power will you have now in this dispensation than those in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to take a journey with a scripture and a text that is a little bit thought-provoking. We're going to reveal the enemy. Now you say, well, why are we going to talk about the devil? Well, you don't do that every week. You give God praise, honor, and glory, but you don't hide your head in the sand as if, if there is no devil, that there is no evil force. I mean, I've already met two or three devils this morning. I often say, if you haven't run into the devil yet, it's because the two of you are going in the same direction. Because I found if you're trying to live halfway right, you're going to run smack into the power of almighty darkness. But I want to give you the text, and if you're taking notes on your iPad or at home, whatever you're doing, we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter, verse number two. And this is what it says. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore, he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, that is the cemetery, and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. That is considered to be the most revelation scripture that talks about the power of demonic forces in the entire Bible. Well, there's a reason that it's in there, don't you think? If it's in there, it must be that God wants us to learn something <coughs> from it. Now, it's that revelation of satanic force. So here's what it says. A man that was possessed of the devil... 
That means that his action, his mind, his spirit is absolutely controlled by an evil presence. And it says that no one would go close to the tombs. Why would they? Because this man cried out almost 24-7. And if he had the ability to break chains and break ankle chains off his ankles, that meant that that satanic power was extremely strong. People would walk way out of the way to keep from going by there. But it said in our text that Jesus got off the boat and, of course, went by the tombs and he got there, and when he did, something phenomenally happened. Now, I don't want you to think about this as some science fiction message today. Well, why are we talking about the enemy? Every major sports team, they take time and time and time to find out the plays of their enemy, to find out what their strategies are. Great military giants who are leaders in strategy want to know, What's the enemy capable of? What can they do? And they study them. The problem is in the church, as many say, all I want to talk about is God. But here's what I want you to know, that while we're just talking about God, the enemy's having free play to do what he desires to do because we're ignorant to his tricks. We're ignorant to his influence. We're ignorant to his power. Now, that is not to say that you get so carried away. Well, I want you to look at there. The light turned red just as I was getting up to it. You devil light, you get out of there. You meant to let me through, God. Don't even go there. They'll arrest you and put you on floor five. <clears throat> but we know that that influence is there. So here's what happens. I know you're watching and listening. In Mark 5, verse 6, when he, this demonic-filled man, saw Jesus from a distance. Now, the disciples were way back in the back. They didn't want to go there. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice to Jesus, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. In other words, this demonic-possessed man recognized and acknowledges the greater power. And it was the power vested in the Son of the living God. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and he recognized him. What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now, this story is extremely true. You say, well, how is it that there's demonic and evil influence today? Well, let's just take a moment. Do you ever look at the headlines in the news? Do you ever listen? Do you ever read the paper? More and more children are being raped and abused than ever before. I mean, the other day, a seven-year-old raped and abused by a parent. How, how ungodly is that? Individuals being slaughtered in some places around the world and cut into shreds. We see others shot and killed beyond recognition for no reason or all or in some gang fight. We see sex trafficking among young people, young kids, young girls, and young boys across the world, and it's an epidemic. And we see the enemy seemingly in control with the upper hand and say, what in the world is next that's going to happen? And it appears the church is sitting weak-kneed and idly by watching it happen. I'm here to tell you that we are not 
powerless. Say that with me. We are not powerless. We are not under the thumb of darkness, no matter how much evil there is out there. For in us is a power, as this demonic man recognized the power in Jesus. When we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, there is the power of divine anointing that resides in us, and he is with us every minute of every single day. We need not be afraid. What does Jesus do? He looked at him. How many of you had a family member or you have a relative that has a look? Come on, get your hand up. And when they give you the look, you know what the look means. How many had a parent or somebody like that? The look. And you give it that look. It's not, I love you. It's the look that says, you do that one more time. Hello? You do that one more time, you're going to lose your phone. You do that one more time, I'm going to send you a room. That's not what it meant in my day. When you got the look in my day, you do that one more time. And you're going to be dancing and it's not going to be the spirit. Because <laughs> I'm going to put in the belt on your behind. Can I say behind? I, I can't believe I did. That's yard talk. That's yard talk. My dad would grab me by the arm, take that bell, pow, 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 pow. I mean, over and over. And we just did the circle. The worst thing I could do was run from him. So here's what I figured out. The more in agony you seem like, screaming like he's killing you, the sooner it was over. But my dad had at least 10 stripes. That was just enough. And I was the oldest. I got more whippings than any member of the family. And I don't know why. <laughs> but Jesus looked at him. Now this is almighty God looking, peering into the spirit and soul. And Jesus says, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Who's he speaking to? The man? No. He's speaking to the evil spirit. Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him. What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Let me say to you that the devil has a voice. Sometimes it's just a whisper. Sometimes it's influence that sounds sweet. But I have prayed for people that were possessed of darkness, and I've heard the gurgling of a voice that, that sounds almost inhuman. And that roars with a mighty roar as if the authority is there because devils have voices. Now, I believe in demonic possession. I believe. I believe that's possible. I believe that a person can be oppressed. I believe a person can be depressed. I mean, many of us who are Christians are oppressed from time to time or, or we get depressed. And, and I believe that a person can be demon-possessed. But let me carry this on. I do not believe in any stretch of the imagination that a person that has confessed their sins and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ with the love of God dwelling in their heart, they cannot be demon-possessed. 
because only one power can house in their body, and if they're blood washed, it is the power of Jesus Christ. So some in the charismatic Pentecostal circle say, oh no, oh no, a Christian can be demon-possessed. I've seen some Christians who acted like devils, but it is not according to Scripture that a person washed in the blood is ruled by two spirits. Either one is alive or one is dead. We understand that. Anxiety is there. We're covered by the blood. I have a friend. He tells this story. He's a pastor now of a church, I don't know, probably 15 or 20,000 on Sunday morning. Has churches scattered all over the place. But in his high school and college years, he was a party animal. You know what that means? Party animal, he didn't party just on the weekend. He partied every day if he could find two or three to get together to drink or take drugs or to run around and do whatever they could get into to steal some time to pay for the drugs. He came from an above middle class. His dad drank, didn't care much for his dad. Nobody asked any questions, so he was loose to do what he wanted to do. Graduated from high school, he thought, I didn't remember it. One thing that God gifted him with was the unique ability to be an academic achiever. In other words, he didn't have to open a book much at all to figure out what it was to have the answers. It just rolled out of him. And it was a gift that he had. So he said, I very seldom had to study. I could scan the book and I could take the test and I could pass it and make great grades. But he said, I was bound. I was looking for more. And as a party animal, in the university, he said, it was even better. We actually had places that we could go, houses on the university campus. We can go and do whatever it is that we wanted to do, fraternities that were there. He said, it was a great life, but there was something missing. There's just something in my heart of hearts I, I couldn't get a handle on. And he said, finally, one day, a, a youth pastor in that area was on the campus that had a ministry talking to people. I hardly gave him the time of day, but what he said, Jesus loves you. And I want you to know there is a better way for you than what you're doing. He said, that stuck with me because what he did not know, that what I know now, God was already preparing me for that gospel message. And he said, I, I drank as much as I could, tried to get away from it, from it. I couldn't. I ran hard. But he said, at the end of the day, one day I looked up and there he was again. And I went to him and said, hey, help me. He said, I prayed a sinner's prayer. And he said, I'm, I'm telling you, it was miraculous. In that moment, I had no desire to drink, no drugs. I wanted to do what was right. He said, how do I, how do I live the kind of life. And he said, get in one of our prayer groups, get in a disciple group. He said, I wanted everything that they had. I wanted to get into the Bible and read it. I never read it, never cracked it, looked at it. He said, I got in prayer groups and he said, wow, it, I begin to feel so good, so wonderful. But in one of those prayer groups, he said, we would have different individuals come just to check it out. I'd been saved now for about six months. And I was in a prayer group, and there was, he said, we'd have them outside, he said, uh, in a fire pit, and then at times we'd have it on the inside. We always sat in a circle and said, uh, there was about 20 of us gathered inside, and 
He said, this dude that was strange, he said, I, I knew how to recognize strange dudes. He sat down beside me. He said, the, the leader said, we're, we're going to pray. And he said, I thought, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like holding a man's hand. It's just I'm not, a, I'm not the kind of guy that, that likes to hold hands. And I, until now, I just hadn't held any hands with a man. He said, but this man hand was there and he said I something propelled me to put my hand out and, and he reached out and I took his hand he said a weird feeling came over me he said all right we're going to pray we're going to pray for the needs that have been mentioned here he said well I, I knew to pray I, I just bowed my head and began to whisper a prayer and he said part of my prayer was you know Lord this dude beside me he's a little strange and uh he, uh, he, he's just something wrong with him. And he said, all of a sudden, he jerked my hand and slapped at my hand. I thought, dude, he said, quit praying for me. I don't want you to ever pray for me. He said, you know, I'd only been saved six months. I figured I had quite a bit of grace. I mean, after all, I'm saved. It's only been six months. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll tell a lie. God will forgive me. So I said, hey, dude, I'm not praying for you. He said it was a lie. But he said, I figured God's grace would cover me being a new convert. He said that episode ended and I reached out and we began to pray. And I really began to kind of drill down a little more. I said, God, this dude's crazy. Something really wrong with him. If he slaps my hand again, I'm going to cock him. So you're going to have to really help him. And he said, all of a sudden... He jerked my hand again and spit in my face. He said, when he spit in my face, I thought, forget it, God. Time out for me. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> he was an athlete. He said, I took my fist. And he said, I hit him right in the diaphragm of his chest, knocked him backwards, knocked the breath out of him. He flipped back twice. He said, I squared off. I thought that felt real good. But when that happened, after he tried to get his breath, he began to, to ride on the floor like a snake. And in a voice that was not the voice that he spoke to me earlier, he said, I told you not to pray for me. I told you to keep your hand. I told you not to go to the Father. He said, the youth leader who'd won me to the Lord, came over. He knew what was going on. He said, I'm thinking you hit me again or spit on me. I'm going to kick your teeth out. That's what I'm thinking. But the youth pastor came over and pushed me back and said, this man is demon-possessed. I had no idea what that is. He said he stepped in front of him, pointed his finger, and with a loud voice and authority said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, whose blood has covered my sins. I rebuke you, devil, come out of this man, be released from his body in the name of Jesus. The voice hit again. He said, I said, in the name of Jesus. And he just began to say Jesus. And all of a sudden, the man just went limp as if you'd shot him. He said, I'm amazed. He said, after a minute or two, reached down and picked him up. 
I said, dude, what's wrong with you? What do you mean? You hit me. You spit in my face. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. He didn't remember a thing. He said, what's happened to me? What did y'all do to me? He said, then, he said, that spirit that I'd felt came down on me. Youth leader hugged his neck and said, you've been delivered by a satanic force in your life. As a child, this kid played with witchcraft. And he was absolutely delivered. Now, my friends, church, 10 or 15 or 20,000 this morning will say to you, you will never convince me that I did not see what I saw. And as a university student, I saw the power of darkness be confronted by the grace of a loving God and God won. Now, you may not see, so I had to put your hands together. We celebrate that victory. I have faced individuals that were controlled by darkness. I had a 14-year-old girl who lifted two of my deacons right off the floor. I saw them just this way. They're right up. I saw that. God delivered her, said, now you're into science fiction. No, I'm telling you what you read here is not a fantasy. And you might say, well, do those kinds of forces, are they in the world today? I promise you they are. But the problem is not too many churches talk about the power of darkness. We want to get carried away on offense all the time. And we don't want to see that there's a devil out there that doesn't want to be acknowledged, doesn't want to be noticed. He wants to be a shining light instead of a wicked demon. And we just overlook it. Today's message serves notice on the fact that we have a wicked evil power out there. And with what's going on in the world today, how could we deny that? Well, let's ask this question. Where did Satan come from in the first place? And I have an answer for you. It's important to know that to begin with, Satan or Lucifer was the most beautiful angel in heaven, according to scripture. He was known as the morning star because he had pride. And five times in the Bible, in Scripture, you find that he wanted to be like God and greater and higher than God. Isaiah 14, verse 12, here it is. How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to earth. You once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly and on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high God. That's what he was. That's what he said. But verse 15 of Isaiah 14 says, You are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. 
And that's where we see when Jesus died in the grave for three days, he ascended or descended down into the depths of hell with the keys to death, hell, and the grave and released those in captive by the power of darkness. And that's where, that's where he met the enemy who thought he had Jesus dead forever. But Jesus, of course, rose on the third day and said to the enemy of our soul, I am still the conqueror of all mankind and you will be committed to what I commit you to. That's the truth. You feel that sense of power. Revelation continues in the story because we believe, according to the Bible in Revelation, there'll be another great war. And in Revelation 12, verse 7, it says, and there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. That's the enemy. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the enemy, was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. There's his angle. Leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So you don't have to go far to see the work of darkness today. One school board just this week voted to take names off holidays no more call Christmas, no more Thanksgiving, no more Labor Day, no more July 4th. Take it all and call it holiday one, holiday two. I'm saying to myself, what in the world is this world coming to? And the enemy stands by and said, I can do what I desire to do. But I'm here to tell you, you and I have a tool. It's called the power of prayer that we can push back the darkness by the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's time we stood up in the power of that prayer and said, no more by the grace of God. No more. Scripture give us a vivid truth that we can discover the influence in that darkness that we have. When Jesus attacked, or when the enemy attacked Jesus, he's not afraid of anybody. Hey, why don't you do what I ask you to do three particular times? You know what Jesus said every time? It is written. It is written. Why do you think it is written? Because he knew that we would have his word, and here's our, here's our defense. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Cover it with the blood of Jesus. Cover yourself with the word of God. Somebody talk to me. Do we believe that that power exists today? Absolutely. Demonic forces influence leaders of the nations, people in high places and high powers. You look at the leadership of Russia, that certainly isn't godly leadership. You look at the leadership in North Korea, that's not godly leadership. You look at the leadership in other nations of the world, who my friend is for self. Here's what I know. And even in the Congress, in the House, and in the Senate of the United States of America, we have individuals after their own agenda that has nothing to do with getting America closer to God, but getting America farther away from God and endeavoring to do it suddenly. And that's why that we have to pray and to believe that God, hallelujah, will minister in and through us for the church is still alive today. And then let me tell you, one nation, no nation, will ever need to mess with. That is Israel. We lift Israel up. Why? Because they are the nation that God destined to be there in the end time. We support Israel. So is it real? We know two Sundays ago, Daniel 10, 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief priests or princes, came to me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. What was it? 
An angel, of course, came to give a message, of course, to, to Daniel. And what he's saying is, but the king of Persia, the demonic influence, stopped me and held me up. That is until Michael, the archangel, came. And when Michael, the archangel, came, he pointed himself to that king of Persia representing demonic influence and said, loose that man and let him give Daniel his answer. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, my friend. You can get discouraged. You might get, become anguished. You might become oppressed. But there is a place where the healing stream of the blood of Jesus is there that can pick you up and say, speak with authority in the name of your God, your God has power over that old force that is against you. I believe COVID is straight from hell. You say how we're going to deal for it. You think, I think it came from China. I'm telling you what I think. I think somebody made it. I believe that with all of my heart. We don't fight warfare in the future with guns and bombs and those kind of things. We're going to fight chemical warfare is going to be part of the end time, warming us up for that. Just get ready. But listen, here's what I know. The Bible said about the saints that you and I are not going to go through the tribulation. It said that trumpet is going to sound before that day one of the tribulation and the dead are going to rise and those of us who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the the air and say goodbye world, goodbye, hallelujah, by the grace of God. Demonic forces desire to inflict suffering on you. He does. Suffering. Marriages are twisted and torn. Family relationships are, are just broken. I spoke with someone yesterday to say, pray for our family. Our kids are fighting. They won't talk and haven't talked in six months. They're divided with us. And they fight, and it's unbelievable. And, and we raise in a Christian home. How is that? I can tell you what it is. Nothing more than the influence of darkness that's there. May I tell you something? You need to be praying to the degree that you can sense and know, hey, this is not just a typical fight. This comes from the influence of darkness. And you rebuke the enemy and claim it and let him know who's boss in the house of God. It happens You say, my boss, for no reason at all, hates me. Well, if you're trying to live for Jesus and trying to set a testimony, look out. You're going to get shot. You're going to be the target. I talked to the sheriff, Grady Judd, the other day, and as we were talking about a couple of other issues, he said, you're my pastor. I said, that's right. He said, I said, Grady, let me tell you something. You know law, you understand. He said, Pastor, things are getting bad. It's getting worse and worse and worse. You just have no idea. So, well, let me tell you something. There is spiritual warfare. You may not understand it. You're the sheriff, but that's what I do. And there's a target on you. Be careful. We cover you in the blood and believe that God's hand will rest upon you. He said, I can't make it without it. Listen, friend, I'm not telling you this and preaching it to you to make you fear. You know, when you've won, you won. Amen. It's like you got a Colt 45 on your belt and your opponent's got a slingshot. I don't care if it's David. The colt will win every time. Are you with me? When you know and you are secure in your relationship with Jesus, you don't have to be afraid, but don't. 
become apathetic. One of the great lies of the enemy during the COVID is people have settled in, got really comfortable and just not coming. No offense to any of you. But let me tell you something. You cannot build the church when you're able to get in the church from your living room. You have to join together and let's believe God together. So here it is. A man brings his son. He's beside himself. In Matthew 17, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. What did Jesus do? He said he knew there was a spirit causing that child to want to have harm all the time. Falling into a fire. Falling into the water to try to drown. And we know that that kind of, of demonic power rested on that kid. Why is it in the Bible? Because God's trying to tell us, beware. Understand that. Understand and don't, don't be a space cadet. That is, everything is a devil. It's not. Man, my back went out. My back went out, just devil, get out of my back. You know why your back's out? You went and picked black-eyed peas for 12 hours, and that's why your back is out. Or you picked strawberries, that's worse. Another demonic power will endeavor to lure you away from God. Your passion. Do you know to stay passionate about God, you have to discipline yourself? To stay passionate about the church, you have to discipline yourself. You have to speak positive. To be passionate about your brothers and sisters, you have to engage with them. You have to let when people hurt you, let it run like water running off a duck's back. You have to learn to defend for yourself and say, I know they didn't mean what they say. Give them the benefit of the doubt. You have to see, live in forgiveness and have as much mercy toward others and as much grace toward others as you expect from God. Somebody say amen. amen. And most of us need a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of mercy. And then let me say this. Sometimes things that look really good may be evil. Here's one of the things that is attacking young people today. It's intellectual prowess. They're going to universities where there are professors that are agnostics or atheists and say, let me twist the Bible for you. It's not true. And often these young students will become so smart to create a path that takes them away from God. Well, why did the Bible say this? Let me tell you. Let me tell you the key. If you're looking intellectually, to be able to make your way, your way to God, you won't do it. But if you're looking out of humility and faith, God, that doesn't make much sense to me. But it's in your book, so I believe it. I don't know how you walked on water, but I believe you did. Jesus, I don't know how you died and for three days you came out of that grave, but I believe you did. I don't know how you turn water into wine, but I know and I believe you did. And God, I don't, I don't know about the rapture of the church. I don't understand how a grave can burst open. But I believe it will. Why? Because given, God's given us all a measure of faith. 
And with that faith, God says, the things you don't understand. And as a matter of fact, there are some things God doesn't expect you to understand. Because very little in this book ever adds up. Two and two don't make four. Doesn't make four. But you and your faith mixed with a little bit of God's anointing. He can do great things. Mighty things. 1 Timothy 4.1 says that the Spirit clearly says that in the latter time some will abandon their faith and follow deceiving, get that, deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So we're already warned there in Paul's writings in 1 Timothy. We know that. Demon forces will paralyze you with fear. If you're financially, you're going to run fear that COVID's going to get all over you. Fear, just all kind of fear. He'll try to paralyze you with fear. But perfect love casteth out what? Casteth out all fear. 2 Timothy 1, 6, for this reason I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and, and self discipline. How true is that? So three things you need to know. Never take the enemy lightly. He is real. Jude 9. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Don't play with the enemy. Don't trash talk. Seven sons of Sceva, they tried it, thought they could cast the devil out like the disciples could. They tried it. That demon, demonically possessed man beat all of them to the point they were bleeding and beat them until they were naked and they ran outside. That's true. It's in the Bible, Acts 19. And then here's another. Don't flirt with the things of darkness. I can't say this enough. Stay away from imagery, Im imagery or image of spiritual darkness. I'm, now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, some of you are not going to like me. We don't have any business watching movies or allowing your kids to watch movies that show evil spirits fighting evil spirits. That should not be. And Why? Deuteronomy 18, let no one be found among you who practices divination, sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or whom is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the devil. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Stay away from the Ouija boards. Stay away from the horoscopes. Stay away from that stuff. What does it do? It opens a door with which the devil can work on you and your spirit. Don't do it. Don't go to movies that say, oh God, I went to a movie that scared me to death. I mean, and the whole movie is blood and guts and witch and everything. Why? Why would a person filled with a person of Jesus Christ go to see trash like that? 
talk to this preacher. Why would you do that? Whatever is pure, of holy, of good report. Think on these things. It's no wonder that our kids have nightmares and parents come to me far too often. My kid's having nightmares at night, Pastor. What can I do? How can I help them? Well, tell me what's going on in your house. If you, well, and that's the story I hear every time. That should not be. Let me hear a roar amen out there. And then we don't fight with our power. Not the power of government, the power of the press, but with God's authority. And what it says in Matthew 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority, gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal evil diseases and sickness. He gave them his authority. He has, he has the power. Would you stand to your feet in Jesus' name? Thank you. There you go. The Bible says, come unto me, all ye that are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Now, this message is a powerful, threatening message. Here's what I know. The, the devil will not sit quietly by to let this kind of a message be preached. I'm not getting spooky on you. But you can put your best foot forward in faith and really take steps of faith. Don't expect the enemy to sit back and let you get away with it. You don't have to go around and say, well, if I witness, I know the devil will come after me. He's already after you. But be bold. Covered in the blood. God, wash me with your spirit and your power. You can't dance through the tulips. You got to say, we're after it by the grace of God. Grant, our grandsons, in town for the, my mother's funeral and Tony's funeral yesterday. And he brought his, his son, Judah. But he's taught Judah to get down in a football stance and say, ready, set. And little Judah, buddy, he's down. It's ready, it's set. And he charges you. He hits you with everything he can. He pitched a little tantrum the other day and slammed his head on the concrete floor. I said, get a load of that, buddy. That won't last long. Concrete will win. <laughs> we need to let the devil know, like David to Goliath, I'm not waiting on you to come to me. I'm going after you, but I'm coming after you in spirit and in truth and anointing holy god do it so let's pray father in the name of jesus i sense your presence here i sense your power i sense your anointing i sense in this room right now the power of the holy ghost but i also know that the enemy of our soul will stand up and come against us and fight us and we're not afraid because in us is a greater power now god we repeat this prayer to you and ask you to receive it. Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name and I ask you to help me. Take away my sins. Take away my fear. Take away my pain and give me healing. I'm standing on your word and I'm believing by faith 
that my sins are forgiven. And there's an anointing on me large enough to overcome the enemy. So here am I. Use me as you choose. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first service, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I'm going to speak to you, that many times I've had in the, in the recent weeks too many families that have said children or grandchildren are just sideways, rebellious, talk back, smack back, and lying and deceiving. I'm, I'm hearing too, too much of that. You say, how do you deal with it? Parents come to me, pastor, tell me what I can do. I'm here to tell you, there comes a time to do what Sharon and I have done in some situations that we put them on the altar. And we say, God, in Jesus' name, we lay them on the altar. We're not going to run back to the altar and pick them up. We're going to leave them there. And every day we confess, God, we know you're doing a work. Even though we can't see you doing it, we know you're the way maker. And so I want to say to some of you, your need to come forward this morning may be because you need to bring a grandkid or a child or some close family member that's crossways and just bring them down and and in your action, say, God, I put them on the altar. I'll leave them there. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And as we worship, they're going to worship a few minutes. We want you to enjoy that worship. If you have to leave, you're welcome to leave. But if you have a need, also, you're welcome to come. And we'll pray in this altar. Amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you, and thank you for being here today. Now let's worship and let God move in his spirit. Amen.